Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from the Winnipeg Free Press. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show following, I mean, another carbon copy game for the Winnipeg Jets. Time and time. You know what it means when a team has spent, what, 26, 27 straight games? I think it's 26, allowing three goals or less. What it means is that it doesn't matter who you play. It doesn't matter what the opponent is. It doesn't matter whether that opponent is hot coming into the game uh, the way that the Minnesota Wild were or maybe struggling a little bit like the Tampa Bay Lightning were. Uh, what it means is that time and time and time again, you force your opponent to play your style of game. And that's what we're looking at here as the Winnipeg Jets have taken far more than a quarter of a season and just turned it into the same style of game over and over and over again. What it's turned it into is the only way that this team can lose our nights lose our nights where, you know, the bounces don't go your way. The puck just doesn't go into the net for you. You hit four or five posts or whatever it was in that Chicago game. Uh, and what it, means as well as quite often when you do lose you're gaining a point because you're taking it to overtime it just means that the winnipeg jets are dictating how the games are played when the winnipeg jets are playing in those games and that's what we saw again here tonight and and we, we talked about this from the beginning of the season on if you can play the rick bonus system it gives you a chance to win every night, but the Jets have gone beyond this, having a chance to win every night. And, and, and they talked about it, and Vladimir Mestikov talked about it. This team understands and knows how to grind now, is what he said after the game. They know that when they get into a game and they go down one nothing, they know what it requires in that game to, to, you know, not go down two or three, nothing. They know it requires playing a specific kind of game to get back into it. They know when they do get that edge and they go up in that game, they know what it requires to take that and, and go a little bit further and get that much more of a lead. So tonight they stretch it to three, one, uh, they wait for the other teams to make the mistakes. The, I'll say this for the most part, if you take a look at the games where the Winnipeg Jets did lose, you know, Montreal, you're thinking about that game, go back to the San Jose game, uh, go back to the Chicago game. Uh, in those games, they're not making a glaring error or a mistake. And, and tonight, you know, maybe this is a different game. Maybe, just maybe, this is a different game if Andre Vasilevsky doesn't make the mistake that he makes, throwing it up the ice, turnover by Vladimir Nemesikov, who finds Nick Ehlers, who puts it into the back of the net. Um, maybe it's a different outcome if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't make that mistake. Maybe Tampa comes down and scores late, sends it into overtime. Who knows what ha happens in that situation? But the one thing that you can fairly count on, and I talked about this, I went through the three goals that Minnesota had scored on them in the last game the Jets played, and I pointed out very specific, not huge, not massive mistakes, but just little kind of mistakes that they were making and the kind of like little details that can be cleaned up. Once again, the Winnipeg Jets are bang on when it comes to their details on this night. And they beat a team that, that one player, one of its best players, if not its best player, uh, gets desperate. And what happens when you make a team desperate? 
quite often is the best players on that team will think, well, I've got the skill to, to get us back into this game. And they, they abandon the team structure and they try to do something special because the other team is making them feel like it will take something special to score on them. That's how teams feel against the Winnipeg Jets right now. The first goal that scored in this game, something special had to happen. A phantom call had to happen on Adam Lowry in order for him to end up into the in the box and give uh, give the Tampa Bay Lightning a chance to score their way back into this game. That's the feeling that teams are left playing against the Winnipeg Jets at this at this stage. You need to do something special if you are going to score on this team. We saw that against Chicago. Con- Connor Bedard did something special twice, and it ended up being what it took to get the, the Chicago Blackhawks over the hump against the Winnipeg Jets in that game. But even great teams, even championship pedigree teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning get backed into a corner against the Winnipeg Jets where they feel they need to do something special to make it happen, make it happen in that game. And that's essentially what seals the deal in this game. So much to talk about. This is another night where Connor Hellebuck outdoes his opponent. Uh, important one, I think, uh, in Andre Vasilevsky, because we should have a conversation about this, where these two goaltenders rank probably the two best goaltenders of a generation. Uh, and I don't think for a second that Connor Hellebuck doesn't look across the ice in this game and see a guy who maybe outside of Canada, maybe outside of Winnipeg is probably considered to be the one a to the one B in Hellebuck of that generation. Uh, I know everyone here is going to disagree with that, but we can have the conversation and see why uh, that would be the consideration outside of Winnipeg. But I I end it like this before we bring Ken into this whole situation here. Um, You take a look at the Winnipeg Jets and a first line that's gone quiet for the last little while, some tweaks by the coach. We get to talk about that. Love the different looks and, and how that looked. Love Vladimir Mesnikov and what he's brought to this team. But you take a look and what the Winnipeg Jets do is they put themselves in a situation where they don't have to be special to win games or to score goals. It's a way of me saying like this team isn't where it is because of Mark Shifley. This team isn't where it is because of Nick Ehlers. This team's not where it is because of Adam Lowry. This team isn't even where it is because of Connor Hellebuck. Every single player on this team holds a piece of the wins that they have night in and night out. The Winnipeg Jets keep winning because of the Winnipeg Jets. The individual has been removed from this. It's one of the reasons why Ken and I both thought that there would not be a significant drop-off to the Winnipeg Jets game once they lost Kyle Connor, their best scorer, no doubt. The Winnipeg Jets succeed because of the Winnipeg Jets. The individual has been removed from this. You hear it in their commentary after the game and how they prepare, how they know that their team game is the special sauce for this team. And you saw it again on this night. Another big win for the Winnipeg Jets. Another challenge swatted aside as this team now finds itself. I believe I hadn't looked to see where Colorado is. Uh, I'll do it quickly here. But yeah, I believe the Colorado Avalanche lost this evening. 
Uh, and that means your win. Oh, no, they came back and won that game. So they're back in first place here. But the Jets put a little bit of uh, distance between them and the Dallas Stars who lost on this night. Uh, I think the Dallas Stars are the true challenge for the Winnipeg Jets here. I expect a time very soon in the future where the Winnipeg Jets not only move back into first place as they flip-flop back and forth uh, in that spot, not only moving into first place, but holding on to that first place spot significant time to come i've seen enough from this team to know that they know how to handle the success that they're having this year uh i expect that's the path they're going to be traveling and traveling it very soon that's my take on the whole thing time to bring in the man with the best music in the business for his take here comes kenny Ken, I've been trying to place that look that you've got there and what it's been making me think of. The great suit with the great tie and the dark shirt. And it hit me the other day. It's There was a video game uh, circa like 10 years, maybe 15 years ago, called Hitman. Simply Hitman. <laughs> and the character in it, uh, he's got the same haircut as you. Okay. He's got that same classic look as you. Timothy Oliphant, a re- hey, one of my favorite hunks in Hollywood for uh, a generation, <laughs> played him in a movie. That's who you look like. That's who Frankie and the boys down at Victoria Rossi got you looking like and, and it is a killer look and it looks good Ken gotta say uh, if you're looking for a killer look you know what to do head on down to Victoria Rossi walk in uh, down on Cordon Avenue loudly proclaim that Kenny and Rennie sent you ask for Frankie and the boys and if you want to look killer they're the guys who know how to do it Ken another game I don't know I don't want to say this is getting boring by the stage because it <laughs> most definitely is not but to see the same game plan repeated over and over and over again, not five games, not 10 games, not 20 games. We're seeing the Winnipeg Jets basically be able to say this to whoever walks into their rink or whatever rink they walk into. This is the style of game we're playing tonight, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, it's super. I mean, we were there talking. You were in the room, uh, we were talking to Stephen Stamkos, but I, I spoke with John Cooper after, Sean, and as I wrote in my piece in the Winnipeg Free Press just now, John Cooper had the game plan. He basically said, you better not give up a lot of goals because if you think you're going to score three or more against the Jets very often, it's probably not happening. So, uh, I mean, we've been in plenty of those scrums with John, and he can be complimentary, uh, but he doesn't just throw around empty calorie compliments. And no. he, he's been in on the Jets from the beginning, Sean. He was there when the Boston Bruins had zero regulation losses. He was comparing the Jets with them. And yeah. he was basically uh, singing their praises at the morning skate. And I'm sure that, you know, he had to have been impressed by them in the game today. So, yes, Connor Hellbuck was asked to make a few saves. It was another important game for him. 33 saves is a good night for Connor Hellebuck, but no even strength goals allowed. Uh, Yes, I understand the Lightning are not the, uh, you know, they're not your, they're not the Lightning of five years ago or two, two or three years ago, but 
their top two lines are fantastic. They're filled with ample talent. <laughs> Nikita Kucherov is leading the NHL in scoring. And, you know, at even strength, the Jets had him basically kept to the outside. So, uh, I mean, there were some moments for the Lightning for sure. Impressive, we, you know, vintage Steven Stamkos uh, one-timer special. Uh, but outside of the power play markers... It's not like there was a shooting gallery created. And yes, we understand the Lightning were playing with five defensemen. Yes, we understand that completely. Uh, and Victor Hedman did not have a lot of help on the back end tonight. But the, this is another, this is this is the Jets, you know, I, I, you know, temp, typical identity type of game. Um, <laughs> special teams is still a struggle for them. There's no doubt about that. Their power play had ample opportunity to put that game away. Uh, no doubt about it, but at five on five, it, the Jets were very solid again. They, you know, and as Neil Pionk pointed out, you know, when the breakdowns happen, there's Connor Hellebuck to take care of business. So, I mean, it, it's it's like you said. I mean, we have plenty to talk about, uh, but the storyline is the same on a lot of nights, and not just a lot of nights. We're talking about a, a third of the season is what we're talking about. 26 consecutive games of three or fewer allowed. And as I've been saying, Sean, seven of those 26 are three and the rest of them are two or fewer. And that that's the really impressive part uh, to me anyway. And as you mentioned, I mean, we've been talking about complimentary scoring and hey, <laughs> there's Vladislav Nemestikov chipping in three three assists. There's Morgan Barron. There's the fourth line, Sean. For all of those years where people were complaining about who's on the ice, you know, protecting the lead late, you know, the third line's out there and the fourth line's out there, and deservedly so, and they delivered again. So there's Alex Iafalo, who went 18 games without a goal, Sean, suddenly has two and three and three and eight. So um, it, it's... It's just impressive. The Jets are finding a way there earlier on in that shift. Sean, Cole Perfetti, <laughs> I understand it was, some people won't call it a cross-check, but like he was pushed into the boards blatantly by Tanner Janot. He doesn't go around flopping around. He gets up, and then yeah. when he gets the puck, Sean, there, the defenseman disrupts him, but he battles through to get the shot. That allows Alex Iafalo to, you know, to be able to find the rebound uh, and bury it. So I love the, that we've talked about perseverance and getting to the blue paint. Well, there's Cole Perfetti going to a hard area, uh, you know, a day after getting a stick to the face, a day after crashing into his shoulder into the goalpost, preventing a sure backdoor tap in. I mean, I love the way that he's battling through right now. I mean, yes, of course, he's looking skyward when he missed an open net uh, on yeah, the power play. Yeah. It was a bad angle, but yes, yeah. it's an open net, and that that is something that Perfetti wants to bury there and expects to score. So, I mean, it's an impressive stretch of hockey for him. I love the way he's battling through, and uh, we'll get to Hartman in a minute. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. The the ah, <laughs> uh, Bick. I, I wonder honestly yeah, yeah, here what, for our what, podcast folks at home. Ken is laughing because Bick Ronis is bending over backwards in a very hilarious fashion. Like I like this. He, <laughs> he's he's trying to list all the things that are going terribly wrong for the Jets, and one of the things that he writes is Jets have now given up two or more goals in eleven of the past twelve games. Um, I forget what he said before, but well, the one is a shutout. Know. So the one is a yeah. shutout, right? So yeah, 
Yeah, but uh, um, you know he's going on about you know the the penalty, the power play, the penalty kill, all these kind of things. <laughs> and, and I do find it funny how people are kind of like leaning into all of this stuff. I said it on CJOB before the game. Like the Jets got to leave the opposition something. They can't destroy every single team at five on five and be the best team in the league with the power play and be the most stifling penalty kill and have the best goalie. Like, leave some for the rest of the league. What's happening here, people? People in Winnipeg getting greedy these days. No doubt. And Vic, we appreciate your willingness to continue to stand in. And I, honestly, my only question would be, what what would give Vic Ronas joy? Uh, that would be my only question to you. I, I honestly think that this this is exactly what gives Vic Ronas okay, joy. Okay, well, it's there like you go. In and, let you know, like trying to, gotcha. trying to rain on the parade, to manufacture rain on the parade <laughs> is definitely, uh, I think, he, I, I'll be honest, I bet you he's smiling at his computer right now. There you talking. go. Put anyway, that last, back, uh, put that last, uh, put that last, Last one up, uh, both the president's trophy. I mean, I think that. Oh um, yeah, no, this is. A great, I mean, hey, great conversation to have. We're talking about a, a pace of play that is, I think, you know, I'd have to double check, but uh, according to uh, Avco Cup, uh, the Jets are ahead of the pace from the year that they finished second in the president's trophy race. So now, of course, it's a long, long, long way. Uh, long, long way to go for them to be, you know, stay at that pace. But I mean, right now they are definitely in the vicinity. It, Sean, I mean, you I said, it, I mean, they're for terms of points percentage, um, they're rolling with the best teams in the NHL right now, and it's not, uh, and it's not smoke and mirrors. This is, um, you know, it, it's so funny. I mean, I was sorry when I when, my, when I was thinking of the conversation with Stamkos that we were having this morning, Sean. Talk about a guy who's got his finger on the pulse. Everything that he was saying about how the Lightning haven't been consistent or put together a run of points is exactly what the Jets are doing. Like, just ripping off, you know, here's nine games with at least one point. I mean, it's uh, it's just an, it's an impressive scenario because, like, these guys are winners, Sean. Steven Stamkos know what it's like to win the Stanley Cup. John Cooper, he knows what a good team looks like. So... When these guys are talking that way, it's not, it's not about, <laughs> it's not uh, empty, empty, empty calorie compliments. Like I said earlier, I mean, oh, this is an interesting one too. Uh, Elias McCracken, toss that one up there. Is Stamkos where available? Is I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, where right here. No, no, he's not. End of conversation. Is Stamkos available? Um, no, I wouldn't think so. BA split saying trade for Stam. I, 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 God, talking with Stamkos earlier on today, the guy's like so, so, so interesting to talk to. Oh, Such tremendous. Uh, he really is one of the best ambassadors of the league. I've thought for he a is. long time now, going back to 2015, where he just very much in that, uh, final against Chicago Blackhawks was taking a look at a guy like Jonathan Taze and being like, like, this is the guy that I'm trying to be. They are them. We are trying to become them i always thought it was an interesting scenario when he ended up becoming you know you know becoming him uh and, and in so many ways in the way that he handles himself in the way that he carries himself in the playoffs raising his level in the playoffs all those kind of things um yet yeah, president's trophy i'll just talk quickly yeah. on that uh i, I mean oh. i i can see it and i'll be honest like th- th- this this game that the jets are playing i think is is repeatable right like even we talk about the first period and Rick Bonus not being happy 
with the Winnipeg Jets first period, but they're so locked into their structure that even when they're not operating at full capacity, it still is a scenario by which the other team is only able to generate one goal and only able to do that on, on the power play, right? Like yeah. the, the, the Jets are so locked in on this right now. I think I, it's, it's a long way to fall for them to fall out of this. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't think this is a fluke and I don't think that this is something that's going to tail off. And this is, there's Ken, I, I guess I'll ask it to you like this, Ken, a lot of times when teams go on heaters like this, right. And we've seen a lot of teams over the years. I forget it was at the Islanders a couple of years back that had won like 12 or 13 or 14 games in a row or something like that. And you'll always hear these stories out of the coaches who will say, yeah, by about game like nine, we were already we had bad habits lo- yeah. starting to creep into our game and and it was problematic and and you know the pucks were just going in for us and then by the time they finally lose by the time that bubble is burst the team actually plays pretty terrible for a while because what happens is teams kind of fall in love with the success the goal scoring all those different kind of things but what they what they usually leave behind at some point is the grind that it takes to get successful. I think what makes the Winnipeg Jets so good, Ken, is that they seem to have embraced the grind more than anything. When they come out and they've yeah. won, I think you saw it tonight from Vladi Nemestikov. You saw it from Rick Bonus. You saw it from Neil Pionk. They won another game. There's not a real like, yeah, we won kind of mentality to it. There's like, okay, now we get to get back and dig into the – to the grind to see what happens next time, right? Like I think the Jets have fallen in love with the grind. And if you're a coach who's able to get your team to lock into that, it's such a special thing because if you can get your team to fall in love with the things that lead to success ahead of scoring the goals or the nice fancy play or the win itself, I think it becomes sustainable. And so because of that, I think the Winnipeg Jets for sure are a danger to win the president's trophy because right now, like we said, so the, the, the Colorado Avalanche win again tonight and they hop in front of the Jets. And I know the Jets have two games at hand and points percentage are ahead of them. I'm surprised that Colorado has still been going. And one of the things that surprises me, Ken, is if you're watching from afar, their games are a bit of a hot mess that they keep yeah. coming out on top of. Now, I'll say yeah. this. Someone said earlier in the chat, uh, where do I have it here? Okay, Robert Sutton says, you do not need a perfect game to win. Good teams find a way to win. Pure, clean, and simple. The Winnipeg Jets aren't finding a way to win. The Winnipeg Jets are just playing a game plan that makes it hard for them to lose. The Colorado Avalanche are finding a way to win right now. And I'll tell you this, Ken, I'll take a team that wins because they play the game the right way and they just do it consistently over and over and over. I'll take that team over a team that finds a way to win any day of the week. No, I hear you. And I mean, you need to find a way to win when you don't have your best. And I mean, you could argue the Jets weren't at their absolute peak today. No, that's true. I mean, we're down one, nothing, but it was exactly, it wasn't, they weren't down three, nothing. They weren't struggling to make pass it's or exit the zone or some of the things that have plagued the Jets. There weren't a barrage of backdoor tap in chances. Uh, You didn't have to have people, um, you know, flying around and like, the Jets played a composed game. Were they at their best? No. Sometimes their puck management wasn't quite as sharp, but what did they do? They battled. They got a big goal from Neil Pionk, uh, who, you know, <laughs> drops another classic, Sean. 
to Brendan Dillon. It's about time he found me. Like, this is funny. Neil Pionk, you know, doesn't love scrums. You know, doing media is not his favorite thing. But he's able to crack a joke about it because Brendan Dillon is the guy who's always saying, I'm always telling people I'm open. So here, here's Neil Pionk saying, well, it's about time Brendan Dillon finally found me. So, you know, there's another great example. There's a hardworking goal. There's a, you know, high slot tip as two defensemen get involved. But they can get involved because the forward is covering, and it's not going to be a three-on-one the other direction. Uh, So, you know, for me, I don't think the Jets played poorly in the game. Do I think it was their absolute best? No, but I I think that this was exactly the way that John Cooper wanted the game played. He wanted a lower event game because he was rolling with five defensemen, several of whom are not of Tampa Bay Lightning quality when it comes to defensemen. I mean, Sean... Again, we're not going to spend much time on the Lightning here, but 13 forwards and 5D out of absolute necessity today. And Victor Hedman plays 29 minutes and 14 seconds. I mean, there was not a lot of help on the back end there, but I mean, the Lightning did a good enough job to prevent the Jets from getting a high-volume shot game. But this is what we saw, Sean. When the Jets got going, they had cycle shifts where they were able to change the line and, and wear down those defensemen over time. And then they started getting on, you know, then they kind of took it to them and found a way to extend the lead. And then Andre Vasilevsky makes a critical error. You just cannot have that turnover. I mean, this was, this was vintage. This was Stuart Skinner in game four, uh, getting beat to the puck, right? Don't you think it was kind of the same idea? I mean, not the same play, but in terms of what it meant for the game, like Vasilevsky can't have a turnover to Vladislav Domestikov at that stage of the hockey game. You just can't. No, the game's no, like it's, it's a one-shot game at that point. So, so like, like exactly, and like I'd said, uh, he um, knows better. Is what I'm trying to say. So, I get it, but but I, I'd said this is what the Winnipeg Jets do to teams. They take the star players on the other team yep. and they make them feel like I got to do something outside of our team structure. I got to do something special to get us back into this game. It, it's why. So I was really excited to see how the Winnipeg Jets uh, matched up against the Minnesota Wild because the Minnesota Wild can grind, and I want to see how the Jets held up or maybe surpassed that grind they surpassed that grind the next thing that i'm really looking forward to is how the winnipeg jets will go up against Connor mcdavid and and leon dry because we're yep. seeing those guys have picked it up they're going the, the edmonton oilers i think are are I, I honestly i think they're a lock to make the playoffs people can look back on this show if it doesn't work out and they can mock me for check it i the think receipts. they're going to the playoffs check the receipts um and they're looking really good i think Connor mcdavid had a five point night tonight i was hearing uh, i think it's five two uh they're looking good right but i, I wonder what that those two would look like against the Winnipeg Jets because yep. I, I do think what the Winnipeg Jets do to players like that at this stage, which they did to Vasilevsky tonight. Vasilevsky's a special player, even though he's a goaltender. He's thinking, geez, I, I can only do so much to affect the outcome of this game by making saves. Maybe I need to do something dramatic. He tries something dramatic and it ends up in the back of their net. This is just the Winnipeg Jets taking teams and making them feel like their team structure is not enough to beat the Winnipeg Jets, so they need to do something special to, to to beat the Winnipeg Jets. And this is what I'm talking about, the Jets psychologically breaking teams in games. I think they do it time and time again. I think they did that tonight with Andre Vasilevsky. 
Yeah, fair. And I think sort of, I, you know, as I was saying the words out loud, I mean, he knows better, but I think Andre Vasilevsky uh, also knows uh, that his defense core is struggling. So he thinks that he can get the puck past Vladislav Nemestikov to get a breakout going, right? That's the only reason why he tries that play right there, uh, knowing there's a guy in the vicinity. And um, yeah, I mean, we also, I mean, we talked about this with Steven Stamkos also in the morning when I asked him about Vasilevsky. I mean, he said it's great to have him back, but like, let's not forget the guy missed several months. And yeah. you don't just go from missing several months to being an all-world goalie who doesn't get, ever get beat. Uh, and I thought Vasilevsky made a couple of absolutely absurd saves today, Sean. I mean, the save that he made on Gabriel Velarde, uh, all world, and he stayed with them. This is a like very nice move to the backhand, and wow, there it, you know he made the save. I mean, uh, and Gabriel Velarde couldn't believe it. He's like, whoa, yeah. um, you know that was impressive. But man, I mean, Hellebuck steady, rock solid again. Um, yeah, I mean. It, before we get to the deadline, let, let's. Uh, I mean, we're almost halfway through. Let's let's. Hey, t- no, well, hold on. Before, yeah. before you move on, I just wanted to say I think uh, to your point about Vasilevsky, he played great, but that play, you were right. He knows better. That's deserving of the pristine wake up call uh, of the game. And you know what that means? It's time to give our main man North End Rick the pristine roofing wake up call give him a call at 1204-981-6289 if you uh, want to call pristine themselves their number is 1204-237-7663 but north end rick's the guy you can call to get him down have a look at that roof have a look at the siding have a look at your exteriors tell you exactly what you need he's also the guy that you should text right now if you are interested in tickets to the home renovation show pristine roofing generously handing those out to people like Kenny and Rennie. So there it is, 1204-981-6289. Let North End Rick know if you want to head to the Home Renovation Show and also let him know if you have any roofing, exterior, uh, siding needs. He's the guy to get a hold of. Uh, there you go. Uh, Ken, you were talking about, oh, sorry, I wanted to do this too well, before we get too far ahead on this. I love this one here. Uh, G. Raw says, my three-year-old daughter does air guitar <laughs> for the headband song. Who am I to leave a three-year-old up at this time of night? Yeah, Not buddy. with the ability to play the air guitar. So you know what it means. It means it's time to make this a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show. Let's hit it. <laughs> All right, Ken. We, I hang don't on. We got to make that your uh, ringtone somehow. We got to. We got to find. I've been somebody. trying. I've I know. I know. We got to find somebody to get I on can't that. Seem to let's do check it. the I, chat I, room here. What? Let's. Anyone in the chat room have some tips? Let's send him Sean's oh way. Oh my goodness. We got to. Yeah, we got to find a way here. Remo says that he he knows how to do it. My daughters. I right. here, here. I have got teenage daughters, or one that's a teenager, <laughs> one's about to be a teenager. I thought the point of having kids is that when you got old and <laughs> lost the ability to understand technology, that your kids took over for you. Both my 
kids have taken a crack at it and can't figure it out. Remo, I talked hey, And they're to smart him. kids. You, you, you got go. smart they're, kids. They're, they're smart kids. Yeah. yeah they're, they're not overly interested in the internet kids. So maybe that helps. That, that's probably something that I like. But uh, hey, I wanted to say this. I don't know who loves bringing this up more, you or I, about the idea <laughs> of you breaking up the third line. It's clearly me. We know it's me who loves to bring it up. I was going to say this on a serious note uh, as we hit 590 and maybe close to 600. Tremendous work, people. people. Tremendous work. I had the show here. Alex Iafalo and going cold the way that he did and, and and kind of sticking with him and not breaking stuff up and not moving him on the third line, doing all these different kind of things. Mark Shifley, not, you know, kind of going cold a little bit lately and that top line going cold in the way things have gone. I just think that is more of the reason. I, I know a lot of people look at that and think that, now, that means it's time to break this stuff up. If the Jets were losing or coming close to losing or even if they were losing but losing by a significant number of goals or something like that, I could be bought into that. But but my whole take on this whole thing, and I know that the numbers suggested that the third line went a little bit cold for a while. No one is going to operate at 100% throughout the entire season. But what you can do as a team is you can have guys pick up the slack for when the other guys aren't, aren't operating at a hundred percent. And so when Mark Shifley's line uh, after Kyle Connor went down and Velarde moved up to that line and Nick Ehlers was moved up there, went on an absolute heater. Okay. They've got you covered off. I guess my whole take on this is the way that the Winnipeg Jets are playing and the way that their system is, and like I've said, they've got a system that gives them an opportunity to win every night. Never mind that. They've got a system now that makes it so that they are hard to beat on every single night. I I, I just think the idea of moving around and shuffling lines and breaking things up is not... I, I get the idea and I get people want to do that and I get they want... Mark Shifley's line to score seven goals a night and then the third line to get four goals a night and the second line to chip in with three or four and the fourth line to get one or two and the Jets win 17 to nothing every single night. I get that. But I just think that as long as this team game exists the way it does, there doesn't need to be a sense of urgency to constantly be trying to fix something that you don't think is working there's time to just say listen it's not operating at 100 percent right now give it some time to find its way back and i think that that's i it's i don't know if i if if that was part of the argument i had before about not breaking up the third line but because we've seen of what the, the third line is capable of at its peak and because we're seeing now what this fourth line is capable of and so on and so forth, when things aren't going so well, as long as they're winning, I, I don't need to see things broken up to try and make things work. If the overall product is working, and I think IFL is an example of that tonight, now all of a sudden it's working again. That line is looking like it has something. The patience that you've stuck with for that line it is is something that you've it's a luxury that the Winnipeg Jets can afford and a luxury I think the Winnipeg Jets should lean into and I say this Ken knowing that Vladi Nemesnikov and Mark Scheifele got flipped in the third period of this game here to try and get something going yeah I mean I understand completely where you're coming from and and I'm okay with continuity Sean but when I suggest these things it's it's because you may you know it's not in case of emergency break glass scenario it's to see what you have in case you do need it, maybe when things aren't going well. So that would be my only counter. And yeah. no, I'm not saying break That's up very, everything. 
It's a very Paul Maurice era. I mean, he used to bring that no, up no, a lot, but, moving guys no. around for the sake of saying it's it's something that we've we can go back to, right? Yeah. Best best time to try it out is when you're going well. Um, oh, but see, I I disagree. I think that that's the worst time because now you're switching stuff up and you may lose your mojo. Now, to be honest with you, Ken, I don't think the Jets can lose their mojo because I think that they've got this team game that they lean on. And so even if they get switched around. So I have to say the argument you're making right now, I do think the way this Jets team is, they could survive that. They're the kind of team that you could do that. But I also think that this is a team that's roles are so defined that if you switch switch from line. So I'm not worried about seeing what Morgan Barron looks like playing no, no, next no. to Gabe Velarde. And the reason I'm not is because their games are so defined that I think that when they play together for the first time, it's probably going to go well because they both know what to do and they both know what brings them success on the ice. Yeah, totally fine. But I'm just saying that based on how that, you know, we'll see what happens if the Jets add a top six player at some point, I just think that even with those defined roles, at some point you're going to need Niederreiter up in the top six at some point because the offense is going to require a boost. And I don't think you necessarily need 30 games of him up there. But again, we've seen it today. He was out on the ice again with Perfetti, and they generated a glorious scoring chance. So uh, I just think that there's some built-in chemistry there. And, you know, naturally, Nemestikov ends up out there with Ehlers. And yes, of course, it was a turn, you know, a turnover, but they find a way to get something done again. And I've just been curious too. I mean, I'm with you. I, I think that, you know, Nikolai Ehlers and Mark Shifley will get it figured out the way that they did before the Christmas break arrived and disrupted the chemistry. Uh, but there's something I'm curious to see what Cole Perfetti looks like with Mark Shifley at some point as well. And we know that Mark Shifley loves to play with pace. So maybe Perfetti and Velarde, they're both not burners. So maybe that wouldn't work. But there's a lot of smarts that come with the, that trio, and I think that they could be dangerous. Uh, you know, whether it's on the power play together at some point, which is something they obviously you know are going to need to look at at some point here again. But um, yeah, I mean, it, I'm also again I, because I say when I say I'll, I follow with Lowry and Appleton, it's not a demotion. It's because I think that Alex Iafalo does many of the same things that you know that Nino Niederreiter does except he's not as physical a player but he is a you know a disruptive type of four checker who's incredibly smart uh I would even say he his game tilts a little bit more defensive than uh, Nino Niederreiter's does but that's not a knock on Niederreiter because he brings a physical element that is you know impressive and shows up in a game like this where that line is going up against Braden Point and Steven Stamkos and Anthony Sorelli at times and Kucherov so um, you know, again, I'm not banging on the drum saying change everything, not at all. But I do think that they have an opportunity to check out uh, a few things. And one quick thing here: we got Reg here. Uh, just a quick thought here, Reg Dunlop. Why was there no penalty on the high stick to Nino Niederreiter? Well, in real time, what we saw on the ice, Sean, the referee makes a symbol yeah. that he thought it was, you know, two players like accidentally colliding, but he thought that it was the helmet of Kucherov that catches Niederreiter in the face when it was clearly, like, this is clearly a high stick, but the ref doesn't get to see it in real time, and he thinks it's the heads colliding, and maybe the visor cuts Niederreiter. Now, I get it. Now, you know, Phyllis says, Phyllis says here, 
Uh, Lowry gets a penalty for something he didn't do. The Tampa player got hit by Philippe Myers's high stick. Right. Uh, but you know, Lowry doesn't go all crazy. He goes to the box, sit down, yes. and even when he, the right way. even when the Lightning score a power play goal, Lowry doesn't shake his head. He doesn't go to the ref. Doesn't do anything. He skates to the box, gets ready for his next shift. So I, I love that response, even though. You know, inside he's probably sour. We know he is, and he probably had a quiet conversation on the side, but that's how you handle a penalty you don't like. You don't have to go nuts, and I get it. It's an emotional game. Sometimes people will go nuts, but that's the way you handle it. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate for Niederreiter. He gets a stick in the face, clearly. It was accidental, but it's still a penalty. But again, it's just it's not disrupting. Like you said, Sean, they don't get, you know, in the past... Jets would kind of get unnerved by something that would not go their way. And now they're just kind of rolling with the punches and like, ah, power play goal around, no big deal. Let's go get one at five on five. Yeah. So control what you can control. Sure. And, and that's what do. they've been and really they do good it at. So well, they do it absolutely so well. Um, I, I'd like to, uh, uh, sorry, d- just to kind of back up what you're talking about with splitting things up. I do have to say, um, I did like seeing the look of, of uh, um, Vladdy Nemestikov getting out on that line and then, you know, basically makes that goal happen. The way that he finds Ehlers, uh, it reminds you that there's that chemistry that already exists between those players. And uh, Nikolai Ehlers is on the record as talking about how much he loves playing with Vladdy Nemestikov. Uh, so as even as I am sitting here saying, you know, leave it alone kind of thing. This is a team that they're in a situation. You're coming over like, to me. Buddy. Keep just say it. Just say it. You don't feel bad. You should winning, do it. There's <laughs> as, long, as long as they keep winning, there's not a reason to go there, but they did make a change. Rick bonus said he wanted to see a change. I think more than anything, he's trying to just wake Mark Shifley up and say to him, yeah. listen, we need more from you and we're not going to just sit here and, and not put a guy up here who we think can do something. Like I don't think for a second, this means that Vladimir Mesnikov has moved and he's on that line for good. No. I think it's his way of saying, look, these guys scored without you. It's time for you to get going and being the guy that we know can carry that line the way you have in the past. Uh, but moving uh, Vladdy up, that most definitely paid off. And if you're looking to pay off high interest credit cards or debt, we suggest you go talk to our friends at Cambrian Credit Union about their payoff loan. They can show you how taking out a loan to pay off your debt actually gets you debt-free faster. And you can have, or sorry, you can save thousands of dollars Go to cambrian.me.ca to book an appointment online. And Ken, before we do move on, because I people are asking for it, we should talk a little bit about trade deadline in this situation because I actually think it's a fascinating conversation to have. But uh, give us a shout out to Sweet Lou before we do that. Sure. For folks who have realty needs they'd like to have met, you can contact our main man, Lou Ferlin at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty, 204-791-9971 or at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including this podcast. Had a great quick visit with Lou this afternoon, and he's fired up for an excellent uh, season of sales in the uh, real estate market. Um, Okay, I think Matthew Thompson absolutely nails this way. He's looking at the issue as it it stands. Question for both Kenny and Rennie. Is picking up another top six forward worth risking the team chemistry? Individual skill may not outweigh the team component. Ken, uh, this is going to be the question for this team heading into the trade deadline. What are you thinking uh, about that question and what are you thinking they do? 
Certainly a fair question, but this is this is the job of the pro scout and this is the job of the people in the organization. A, you identify someone who thinks that that they can help their your team, and B, the person has to fit. He has to be a fit. You're not going to bring in a disruptive force and think, oh, you can keep them under wraps uh, for two and a half months. I mean, that's just not the way uh, a lot of successful teams work. So for me... Uh, I think the Jets' needs are pretty, you know, pretty defined. Uh, at the same time, I, I do think that there will be some temptation, Sean, that for the Jets to, you know, to go with the Doug Armstrong model, where the year that they won the Cup, they didn't make an addition, right? In 2019, they, you know, yeah. they rolled with what they they made their, you know, they had some changes going into the year, but they didn't go nuts at the deadline and add. They were already the hottest team in the NHL down the stretch. So they didn't go out and get someone because they didn't find someone that they thought maybe fit as well. Uh, the Jets have done a good job of identifying people that fit uh, in terms of both, you know, skill set and, you know, demeanor, if you will. So, you know, I, I think the Jets will be doing their due diligence. They will be looking. And if they can find the combination platter of a great individual that has a skill set that could help uh, be part of the movement, uh, they'll do it. And the reason, Sean, you know, some people think about the disruption immediately. Well, how, how come there's not a disruption for AJF or for Dominic Toninato, who now has four points Ooh. in four games? Now, I understand this Check is a different type of and weeb. This is no, this is a different role of player than the Jets will be looking to bring in. However, it, it's the same idea. Like people. <laughs> People, those guys are not playing 15 minutes a night. They're not playing 20 minutes a night. They're not taking someone's job on the second power play unit or on the first power play unit. Uh, but at the same time, Sean, we've talked about this. You know, look, Vegas is a great example. They went out, identified a singular need. They wanted someone to play on the top line with Jack Eichel. They got a Stanley Cup champion. They got a versatile player who, let's not forget, Sean, at one point in the series with the Jets, Ivan Barbashev was on the fourth line when they switched things up. He played the majority of the playoffs on the first line, but at one point in that series, the Vegas Golden Knights felt comfortable enough in both the player and their structure that they broke up what is one of the, you know, is the best fourth line in hockey and moved Nicholas Waugh up in the lineup and moved Barbashev down. So you need to find someone who is a winner who is driven to win, but is also a guy who can fit in with the sort of fun-loving but business-like attitude that the Jets bring to the rink. Do I think those players are out there? Absolutely they are. Uh, I mean, I've talked about Chris Tanev on this program before. Chris Tanev is a perfect fit for the Winnipeg Jets. There is history with the organization. No, it wasn't the Jets. It was the Moose. But Chris Tanev would know absolutely what he would be in for if he were to find himself on the market and move to Winnipeg. He's familiar with the city. Yes, it was a while ago when he was a member of the Manitoba Moose. But he knows how the organization operates. He knows the city. He knows that this is a team that is trying to win hockey games and trying to win a Stanley Cup. So... That's an easy yes for me if there is a you know a price tag that makes sense. When it comes to the forward group or what they're doing, I don't know, you know, we've seen the Jets tart, you know, if as our friend Elliot Friedman says, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. The Jets have gone out and traded for centers that were of the impact variety or hoped to be of the impact variety on two deadlines when they had a very good team. So in this scenario, 
it would stand to reason that that might be a target. I'm not saying they have to get a center. I think if you get a winger, you can you know still get what you want. Uh, if you get an impact winger because of the versatility of Vladislav Nemesnikov, but if your best fit is a centerman, go out and get him. I mean, some people have been asking. Uh, I start a couple. Um, Dom is one of them. Is Sean Monahan that person? For me, Sean. Sean Monahan, I I I mixed. I mean, we talked to our friend Eric Angles, um, and he was raving about Sean Monahan, right? Yeah. How he's been able to battle back from the knee injury and all of those things. But to me, I don't. He might be a perfect fit, and maybe he is a fit. But to me, I don't know that he has the giddy up and go to play the style of the Winnipeg Jets. Sean, I'm not saying he can't, but. Yes, he is a responsible enough player. He does a lot of things well, uh, can score. But over time, I don't know that he can play with the pace that the Jets would require of that second-line center position. I'm not saying he can't win faceoffs. I'm not saying he can't help the Jets' power play. But I'm not sure that Sean Monaghan is a top-six player on a championship hockey team. That That's what I'm saying today. I'm not saying it's impossible you know, maybe he's a fit like Paul Stastny because Paul Stastny wasn't a burner either. He ended up being a perfect fit for the Jets. But I'm not sure Sean Monaghan is a four-round, 16-win player that can immediately boost the Jets' top six. Now, what do you think? Monaghan, I, I, I wouldn't go to Monaghan. I think they're um, aiming higher. I, I mean, think, I got to just yeah. say it that way. Sorry. No, for sure. They're aiming higher. And I would say from what I'm hearing, uh, I would suggest that the Jets are more poised to make a big swing this year than I think that they ever have been before because I'm just hearing too many, too many things about like too many names that I like. It's starting to sound like, you know, like Rutger McGrady is the only untouchable is, is from a lot of the things that I've been hearing. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to turn around and trade Colby Barlow for a bag of pucks or anything like that. But uh, it just, I'm hearing things, this year that I don't remember hearing about the Jets. And I think what the Jets have done in the past quite often is they've let the market go crazy and they've let guys slide by and they've said, you know what, we'll go find a guy like Stastny who we think uh, we can get here and and we'll do you know almost as good of a job, a fairly reasonable facsimile, right? And I think that the Jets have confidence that their scouts can do that. And so I think what they do think is they can take a swing that they're comfortable with without giving away too much uh, and, and still go find someone who can do that. But I'm wondering if this year, the way things are looking, the way that, you know, uh, you know I, I, I think they take a look at they're looking around the league and I think they see vulnerability. And so I think what they're saying is, yeah, we've gone out in the past and we've got reasonable facsimiles of what we really, really need. And sometimes it works out near a hundred percent. Sometimes it only worked out by about 50%. I'm thinking that maybe this year, <clears> Kevin Hayes, more like more like, yeah, the Jets <laughs> would be more likely this year than any other year to go out and be like, look, we know it's going to be a steep, painful price but we think that this guy makes us impenetrable and if they feel that that's going to happen i think that they could be the team this year that goes and and spends and maybe overspends to go get that player because this is the way you need to look at it now everyone's looking at the winnipeg jets and they're seeing the heater that they're on and they're saying they beat the boston bruins in the in the middle of this stretch and they beat colorado and look what they did to minnesota and everyone is taking a look and they're saying okay the winnipeg jets they're for 
real. They beat these teams. They're on a streak. They're probably the best team in the league. I think one thing a lot of people fail to do when it comes to the playoffs is look at it and say, listen, the playoffs are a different animal because you run into a team that is going to sit and try and pick away at your vulnerabilities. And that's how they're going to try to beat you. I always say this. I know that some people disagree and some people will say statistically the Jets, that system should that uh, series should have turned out different. The Jets were the better team, I thought, by far in 2018. But... Uh, they recognize the Vegas Golden Knights recognize that the Jets are a team that loves flow. And if they can interrupt their flow, that could really kind of discombobulate the Jets. And they did that. And I think that that like I, I, I'm a big believer that they got out coached in that series and, and they just could not find their rhythm. So if you're the Jets, what you're doing is you're looking at yourself and you're saying, is Vladimir everything that you need as a second line center? Do we have everything that we need on defense? And they're basically taking a look at their own team and saying, what are our vulnerabilities and how can we address that to make it so that the Winnipeg Jets do not have a vulnerability heading into the playoffs. You've got a really great team here that knows how to play this. To your point, Ken, you've got you, you, you know you, you've got a team that I don't think they need a lot, but I do think that there are spots where you, are, are you really going to say like if we go and face the Dallas Stars in a seven game series in the second round. Are they going to be able to, with the lineup that they have, exploit the second line of the Winnipeg Jets or the fourth line or the defense on this side or that side? Because that's what you have. Is you have really good coaches taking a look and digging into you and saying, is there a vulnerability there? So I, I know a lot of people are saying, don't, don't touch anything. Don't get in the way. What you're seeing right now is the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, they beat the Boston Bruins. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to burst your bubble and tell you that wasn't the best version of the Boston Bruins that we've seen so no. far this year, right? So the, just because they beat the Boston Bruins doesn't mean you get to say, we're better than the Boston Bruins. Don't break anything up. You know, you have to see what that team does at their best and see if they, they are able to exploit vulnerabilities in you. So if you're the Jets, you're taking a look right now at what's out there. Does it fit a vulnerability and does it make you ironclad? Because that's what this Jets tra trade deadline is going to be about. It is about making the Winnipeg Jets absolutely ironclad. And so if there is a player out there that fits the needs or or, or the weaknesses that the Winnipeg Jets have, uh, I, I can foresee Kevin Shovel Day off spending whatever price it takes to get those this year because I think the Jets have a massive amount of belief in their team this year, as they should. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, again, I've mentioned this name before too. Pavel Bishnevich to me is a guy that uh, could be an impact player in the playoff uh, time of year. Uh, St. Louis Blues are, you know, kind of still hanging around. Um, you know, Frank Vitrano is a guy who I've kind of mentioned, wondered about the Jets earlier on. I mean, a little bit undersized, but he does, you know, scores goals, gets to the hard areas. Again, I prefer Bushnevich, but maybe the price tag is lower for a guy like Vitrano. I mean, I, the Jets are definitely going to be, uh, you know, going in kind of full-on mode here in the next couple of weeks, Sean. I mean, we're already into January, so that means we're just over two months away. And, you know, I think that you agree. Of course, some of this is cap-related, but I could see Kevin Cheveldayoff not wanting to wait to the last minute. I think that because of all the things that we talked about, chemistry and all those things, you would want to give a player... A little bit more time if you can you know a preemptive strike and b if you can give that player a little bit more time to get acclimated to a new place 
when you're looking at maybe trying to go on a playoff round uh, run, sorry, where you're winning multiple rounds, uh, I think that that's, that's certainly going to be the case. And I, I just have to say this quickly. I know that this is running around uh, a bunch of things. And and here's Running Man is one of the people that don't don't need help and why fix what's not broken, screw up chemistry. Well, that's fine to say, but it's a different beast in the playoffs. And, you know, the one thing the Jets, they outside of their run to the conference final, they don't have a ton of guys with a lot of playoff experience. So trying to upgrade is part of what team good teams do. That's what good teams do. They don't always do it, and it doesn't always work. But I'm the opposite of what Al Broderick said. Uh, adding talent is not a slap in the face of the people who are here. It is a compliment to them it means they believe in those players but they believe that they need a little bit more help and a little bit more depth in trying to win so well and the other part about this you know like uh, who had said this here oh in bones we trust as we are family now let's have a divorce boo like acting like going and adding someone is going to be taken as an insult you're talking about a team full of guys right now who have been told that their role is like be ready and hop into the right. lineup and do it this is already happening like when, when dominic toninato goes out of the lineup, which I think is going to happen eventually, yeah. or someone else gets pulled out. They're not saying, what? I thought we were family. I've been stabbed in the back. Let's move on. These guys want to win, and they all understand what their role yeah. is, and they're professionals. So what they do on, like, if if you go out and get Elias Lindholm, one of the guys who comes out of the lineup, it's not going to be Vlad Nemesnikov. It's not going to be no. Cole Perfetti. It's going to be one of these guys who is basically fighting to stay, keep their head above the water in the NA NHL, you know, the, the Dominic Toninatos, the Gus Buses, maybe even Kapari is going to be finding himself in that situation. Those are the guys who are going to be in this situation and they get why they're in that situation. They, they get how they need to conduct themselves in that situation. And then they get that being a detraction from the team is not something that happens here. So all these people who are saying that this is going to blow up team chemistry, I would argue it's the opposite. Look at what this team was able to do in bringing in Kapari, in bringing in Ayafalo, in bringing in Velarde. This is a team that wants to win. So they're bringing guys in and they're making sure they feel part of something. I think the Winnipeg Jets lineup is poised to be the team that adds whoever they need to, makes it work, and the guys who get popped out of the lineup say to themselves, ugh, that sucks, but I'm going to fight to try and get myself back into the lineup. And once I get there, I'm going to impact the game the way that Gus did when he came in, the way that Rasmus Kapari did at the beginning with his speed, the way that we're seeing Dominic Toninato do it right now, the way that we're seeing AJF do it right now. So uh, I, count me as one of those people that doesn't think this Winnipeg Jets team is so absolutely fragile that adding a good player that fits their system and makes them a better team is going to allow them to have all kinds of discord and absolutely fall apart just by adding that new uh, player in there. Ken, we got to get to the Johnster Group uh, gotcha covered play of the game. What do you got? Yeah, I was tempted on using this for save of the game, but I think the gotcha covered is the play, this, the sequence that Connor Hellbuck has with Anthony Sorelli. Great poke check. The puck is in the air and he bats it out of the way. Like it's, yeah. it's a vintage play for gotcha covered. I mean, it's, it's not something that we see a whole lot of, and it is something that was very important in terms of the, where the game was at. I mean, that was, that was Connor being very calm, but he made a smart read. 
in a situation that could have been an easy tap in. He made a smart read initially. And then when the puck is in the air, bats it out of trouble. So for me, that's why I'm going with that play as, I mean, there were other plays that you could have chosen or you could choose, but for me, uh, that was one that kind of caught my attention today. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, and that's the Johnson Group got you covered play of the game. And do you run a small business in Canada? Look to Canada's number one employee benefits plan, Chambers Plan, to give you a competitive edge. Chambers Plan is the simple, stable, smart choice for over 30,000 businesses countrywide. Visit chamberplan.ca to learn more. Keg save of the game. Ken, I'm going to go first yeah, on the keg should. save of the game. And I'm going to say it's Connor Hellebuck on Mikey Asimont when Mikey Asimont gets the puck all alone by himself. And it's a save that doesn't have to happen. I I used to play with some guys and uh, they they would always tell, tell me to spear the guy in the mind. They would say it was this idea of like just getting so into the other team's head that you were like physically doing that. Connor Hellebuck saves this puck with his mind. Now, Mikey Asamont sees a guy skating out of the corner and thinks for a second, oh, maybe I should pass it to this guy way over there, even though there's two Winnipeg Jets defenders and sticks that I would have to go to. And then he realizes, no, that's a bad play. Basically, what you're seeing here is a player who used to practice against Connor Hellebuck, knows how hard this guy is to beat, and he basically is given a freebie in front of the net with all kinds of time in the world and essentially is not able to get off a shot when he does he kind of goes backhand and throws it misses the net i believe it hits the side of the net this to me is connor hellebuck being so on uh and having been so on for so long that a player who knows him well enough to have been his teammate just never felt for a second that despite the fact he's got the puck in one of the most dangerous areas on the ice all alone with all kinds of time that he has no hope of beating connor hellebuck so for me that is the keg save of the game what do you got i'll agree i like it I'm gonna. I'm you'll, gonna you'll, okay. I'm gonna Let agree with you for once. Let buddy. it ride. There What's we go. happening Both here? Time. Both I also like. Happen. I also. I also like the wraparound save on Asimont uh, earlier on in the game. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you just said you were gonna agree with. No, me. I agree with you. Yes, I do agree with you. Honorable okay. mention. Honorable mention to the other one. The, uh, I agree with that you. Kind of felt like getting slashed in the face no, off no. Of, uh, by Ryan Hartman <laughs> off of the draw is what that one felt like. Anyway, if it was like that, you would have felt it. Don't worry. If I slashed you in the face, you would have felt it. I'm telling you, I am. Feeling it, it hurts right now. You told me, you told me that you finally agreed with me, and then you pulled the chair out from underneath. Oh it man, dirty move. Keg save of the game. That's what I've got. You should share with us your keg save of the game because if you do, you're automatically entered to win a $50 gift certificate usable at any of the three keg locations in the city of Winnipeg, each location finer than the last. And I am going to have to announce that the winner of the keg save of the game is someone who never fails to direct message me both their keg save of the game and their TCB lamplighter. I believe he won the lamplighter earlier in the year, but Hugh Wachenko, you have been putting in the work, putting in the hours, and now the sweet, sweet benefits come back to you in the form of a $50 gift certificate to the keg, usable at any of their three fine locations, each location finer than the last. But the first thing you need to do is make sure that you direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. DMs are wide open now, people. SN Sean Reynolds, send me your full name uh, and or uh, send me your email. Uh, you can, I, I think Hugh always sends it to my Instagram. So Hugh, you oh, can just do there, there you go. You got Got it, Hugh. Uh, congratulations. And time now, Ken, before we go too late, because both of us have to catch a flight early in the morning oh, right, for yes. the TCB lamplighter. What do you got? Yeah, for me, 
I mean, I like the LFI, the Alex I follow goal, but I'm going with the uh, I'm going with the Neil Pionk high slot tip goal from Brendan Dillon on the on the slap pass. That is my that's my choice for Lamplighter. I think uh, there were a number of good candidates, but I definitely do think that that one by Pionk and uh, you know bonus points for you know joking but chirping his uh, his D partner. Uh, yeah. On the, on the snipe itself. I'm going to go the uh, Ehlers goal, uh, not because that goal shooting it in was overly pretty, but I mean, this was a, a big one. It pays off for uh, Rick Bonus to put Vladdy Nemesnikov on that line. Vladdy Nemesnikov is just like, I, I, there's, I, there, I, I, I'm running out of good things to say about this player. Just like a, a hockey player's <laughs> hockey player, a coach's hockey player. Rick Bonus absolutely love this. Loves this guy. He says he's always so calm with the puck. If you ever saw Vladdy Domestikov in real life, he is not an imposing figure. The majority of you, I would think, unless you're like a, you know watching his face, he would walk past you on the street or in a grocery store somewhere, and you would never guess for a million years that he was a professional hockey player. And and yet he goes out there and buys himself all kind of time because he never panics, uh, handles himself around really big players, always, you know, just kind of just slowly just works his way through the game, always doing the right things over and over again. And he pulls this off here uh, and gets the goal, which I think sealed this game. And I, I do think it would have been a different game uh, had he not stolen that puck and got it to Nikolai Fair. Ehlers. Uh, so I'm going to hand that to him. But what I think, what Ken thinks, none of that matters. What matters is what you think was the lamp later of the game, because if you share that with us, you're automatically entered to win a frosty, delicious eight pack of lamp lighter Amber Ale brought to you by our friends at TransCanada Brewing Company. If you cannot wait for Kenny and Rennie to give you your own frosty, delicious eight pack of lamplighter amber ale, you can head on down to TransCanada Brewing Company and join them in their tap room at 11290 Keniston, where we will be having our KNR, not December to dismember. We're going to be having our January for Fanuaries. Ken. I, sorry, a little bit of a sidetrack here. Uh, okay, well, we'll finish this off. There's the uh, there's the code. You pl- plug that in, copy that, plug that in. It'll take you to uh, the Eventbrite site where you can buy tickets for that show, the January for Fanuaries. I just wanted to say this. I have to go and cover off the um, uh, Vancouver Canucks. Dan Murphy's going to be missing a game. So I'm heading tomorrow to go down to St. Louis to cover off a Canucks game. One of their uh, contests that they're having right now on Canucks broadcast is January for fanuary so what you and i are just making up on the go in the middle of our shows other people are paying advertising departments a lot of money for we're just giving this gold away so just for the reason that we came up with a brilliant name like january for fanuaries you fanuary should get on down there and join us uh in the tap room down there because it's going to be another awesome awesome event a monday game uh involving the boston bruins anyways uh brilliant because you chose it by the way Oh, it's, oh, I I never even knew that. I don't know. I was trying to give you credit, but in the end, it was all about me patting myself. And sorry, quick on one before you announce the winner, people. When I said Kevin Hayes, that was when Sean was talking about examples that didn't work. I'm not saying yes. the Jets should go out and get Kevin Hayes again. Uh, yes. I was in favor of Kevin Hayes when it happened. It just didn't work out. And give them a wake up. To give it, I thought yeah. that was obvious. I it was wake up territory. Sorry, I mean, I like I love the people in the chat room, as you know. Wake it was, up. It was. That's not where I was going. Anyways. All right, Turd Ferguson, 
You're the Lamplighter winner from our last show, Turd Ferguson. Great name. Uh, great uh, SNL sketch. Uh, Uncle Burt Reynolds, uh, who is Norm MacDonald's playing <laughs> in that, who names himself Turd Ferguson. Uh, Turd Ferguson, you have won the Lamplighter. That means you've won yourself a frosty, delicious eight-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale. Brought to you by our friends at Transcanada Brewing Company. If and only if you direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds and send me your full name and an email, which I can send you that voucher. Do that. And you have your very own frosty, delicious eight pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale brought to you by our friends at TransCanada Brewing Company, the nectar of the gods, ladies and gentlemen. That's it for us because we got to catch a flight. So, no gushy stuff. No, none of the oh, stuff. Oh, no, no. One, often. one. Oh, you're going to do it. You're going to get. Okay, go. Go. I'm going to time you. Just 45 <laughs> seconds. It will be less than 45. But, uh, big day for one of my very close friends and you know mentor or whatever you want to call him Dennis Bay I called his last uh, oh, yeah. world junior game today I, and um, yeah I mean they had a great tribute for him Craig Button gave him a Flynn Flon Bombers jersey this is we've talked Sean a lot about how much pride we take in being from from Manitoba and, you know Dennis is right in that that class he's from Winnipeg Osis he loves where he's from never forgot where he came from I uh, did an unbelievable job for 11 seasons on the Winnipeg Jets broadcasts. Uh, spent a lot of time with him. And uh, for tonight, I went with the Dennis Bayak tie today. So this is my uh, my tribute. I've been fortunate enough to see him uh, recently before going into the event. I was texting with him today. He was fired up about how things went. And uh, I'm going to be lucky enough to see him uh, next, this on this road trip. But uh, Dennis, we love you. Great job. Uh, job well done. Incredible career. And Hall of Fame person and uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster. Tough to find that combo. Yeah, um, I, I don't, uh, and I didn't do anything on Twitter or anything like that. I don't feel like, even though I knew him for a long time, I never got to work with Dennis Bayek. So when it comes to like the conversations that people had about working with him, you got to work with him, Sarah got to work with him, uh, Craig Button, so on and so forth. So many people got to work with him, had the honor of working with him. Uh, and all of them have the same thing to say. I don't think there's ever been a broadcaster or someone who worked in sports media in Canada who ever had a bad thing to say about Dennis Bayak. If they did, it clearly would have shown more about their faults and their flaws than it would uh, about Dennis. All I can say is um, coming on this beat, uh, Dennis Bayak always treated me with a ton of respect. Uh, when we first started out here, there was no Sportsnet um bureau there was nothing it was really starting from scratch and it was an intimidating time starting against tsn that had the broadcast and still has the broadcast rights it had a radio station there was about 26 people who worked for tsn and myself and my camera guy working working for Sportsnet. it was not a fair fight uh and there 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 would have been ability uh for that station to uh you know, bury me uh, and and kind of, you know, make life hard on me. Dennis uh, Bayek was just a great guy right from the very beginning, always treated me with kindness and respect. And I will always uh, uh, I will always appreciate that. Uh, I don't have anywhere near as much to say about him because I didn't work with him like you did, Ken, like Sarah did, like so many did. I consider you guys lucky for having done that. So I'll make sure that I leave the largest of the tributes uh, towards him to the people who worked uh, for him or the fans who got to enjoy his call anyways uh great job uh stick tap to dennis uh stick tap to you all for showing up here tonight 600 awesome strong job, we had a one awesome job 
Uh, like I say, every show before we do get going here, Ken, uh, if you appreciate the conversations happening in this space, please, please appreciate uh, our sponsors who fight to keep the conversation going in this space for us. That's Vittorio Rossi, Cambrian Credit Union, Pristine Roofing, Sweet Lou Furlan, the Johnston Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs, the Keg, and of course, TransCanada Brewing Company. Thank you to them. Thank you to all of you. We will see you. I'm going to pull double duty. I'm going to broadcast the game, race back to the hotel, watch the Jets game, and we will be right there for Kenny and Rennie uh, next Thursday after a great game in San Jose, what I'm thinking will be a great game. And Ken, you will be there on the scene. So uh, enjoy yourself on the West Coast. I will enjoy my enjoy the sandwich in St. Louis. Buddy. And the, uh, the uh, meatball sandwich at the Blue City Deli, the best sandwich in the league, according to Rennie. Talk to you later, everybody. Bye-bye.